everybody, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Today we're going to be continuing on our summer sermon series, Love Your Neighbor, as we look to the parable of the Good Samaritan. But before we do so, I wanted to name two things uh, real quick. The first is this. Um, if you have been following along this podcast and joining us for worship at Bothell United Methodist Church, uh, you'll notice that this is the same text that we uh, preached on in early June, um, this Luke 10 passage uh, of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, so we preached it the first Sunday of June as we launched the series, and we did so again today. Um, I've never done this before, um, and it was, it was a cool experience for me to uh, preach from the same passage uh, twice, pretty much back-to-back, um, uh, trying to uh, approach the text from different perspectives. And so um, I had a blast uh, uh, doing the work and and uh, researching and learning about uh, the many facets of this one parable. Um, and I, I hope that uh, it's something that uh, sparks some interest in you that you find helpful and, and relevant and and that uh, it challenges you to uh, see the parable and to read scripture from uh, uh, a lot of different lenses. The second is this. Throughout the sermon, uh, you're not going to hear anything about uh, Ind- Independence Day or the 4th of July. I, I actually covered that uh, in our welcome in worship uh, earlier as we uh, welcome folks into that space and that time together. And and here's what I said. I, I said that you know, while we celebrate and acknowledge and recognize the freedoms that uh, we have here in the United States, uh, that God's love is not bound by the uh, borders that we place and we build for ourselves, actually borders that we use to keep people excluded, keep people out, to draw lines between us and them. And so um, so we named that. And then we also named that too, while we celebrate uh, the, the freedoms uh, that we uh, have here not everyone experiences that same freedom, both uh, systematically, systemically, institutionally, and individually, all of that, um, because uh, we are still experiencing uh, systemic injustice, oppression, um, a marginalization. Um, uh, we're experiencing uh, the casting of, of groups of people and, and, and creating uh, classes of citizenship. Um, we are uh, experiencing uh, all of this and we're growing uh, in this experiment called America, and so uh, called the United States, right? And so um, I wanted to name that because today, um, uh, uh, as we as you hear this sermon, uh, you'll know that it's from July Fourth. Uh, but uh, not, there's nothing in there about uh, uh, Independence Day or, or anything like that, and that's intentional. And so um, this is uh, uh, the next sermon of Love Your Neighbor series. It's it's continuing. Continuing on our summer, where we are listening to the stories and testimonies of people in our community. Uh, this is kind of the midway mark, and so this is a, um, a straight-up sermon from me. Uh, hope you are blessed, and uh, we'll check it out. This summer, we're navigating through this series called Love Your Neighbor, listening to the powerful stories and testimonies of people in our community who are loving their neighbor, people in our community who are living out their love, who are expressing and sharing that love to those, especially those we want to keep marginalized and keep oppressed, people 
who are partnering alongside what God is already doing in the world. And our, our hope is that as we hear these stories together, we would be challenged to go and do likewise. So far, we've heard from Alex Watkinson as she shared her hopes and dreams of loving neighbor through sustainable and equitable agriculture as a means of justice. We heard from Marcia Stickle, who shared about seeing your neighbor, especially across a table sharing in food. Last week, we heard from Jim O'Farrell, who shared about loving neighbor through shelter and the idea that building houses could lead to building homes of abundance and love and community. Today, I want to go back to the start of the sermon series, back to early June. If you were with us then, our text for this morning might be familiar to you. It's the same text we turned to when we launched the sermon back in June. And at that time, we focused on this back and forth between Jesus and this lawyer, unpacking the two questions that the lawyer asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And who is my neighbor? Remember, the, this lawyer stood to test Jesus, and in it he was looking for a checklist, a to-do list, a precise plan that would earn him his salvation. And even when he knew the answer for himself, to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and to love neighbor as yourself, even when he was able to answer the questions on his own, it's still not Enough, And so he asked Jesus, wait, who is my neighbor? And actually what he's really asking is who is not my neighbor? And it's here where Jesus begins to tell this story of a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Some of you know that uh, my parents were here this week visiting from New York, uh, spending time with their grandchildren. And as we often do when we're together, we were remembering and reminiscing about uh, times, about life uh, growing up. And, and so we're sitting there talking and our, our kids were uh, on the couch uh, navigating the iPad. And my parents, they, they made this comment about uh, my kids' uh, proficiency in technology that how at ages six and two, they could probably teach my parents things about the iPad, about the phone. Uh, they talked about how fast the world was changing uh, when I was young was, was a common phrase that we said over and over and over. And this, this brought up a memory for me that I had forgotten about. I was uh, in middle school. I was in Ohio, and, and uh, a group of us in, in one of our classes, were, we were working on a group project together, and we were uh, finishing up after school. And as we finished, we, we walked out into the parking lot where there were a few scattered cars parked, uh, parents waiting for their children. And I said bye to my friends, and I was looking for our car, and I didn't see it. And so I waited. You know, friends, parents, they offered, hey, we could take you home, or teachers came out and checked on me. But, but I remember sitting there on the curb, waiting for one of my parents to arrive. And it might not have even been that long. I, I don't remember exactly. But I remember the feeling of being lost, feeling alone, feeling forgotten. You know, with my parents, the point of the story was how awesome would it have been if we all had cell phones on that day. But, but I wonder how many of you could relate to that feeling 
that feeling of being alone, uh, the feeling of being abandoned, that feeling of being forgotten. How many of you might be able to relate? You see, we have these shared experiences as humans. It's, it's why we watch movies or, or sitcoms or other TV shows. We find ourselves in the middle of any story because at their core, stories are about people. They're about life, about love and heartbreak, about being lost, being found again. And so when Jesus tells this parable, this story, it is intentionally nondescript. The person could be tall or short, rich or poor, literate or illiterate. He might be from Jerusalem or he might be from Jericho. He might have been some tourist who happened to be walking that road. All of that is irrelevant. The story is about some guy. Someone in Jesus' audience that would have been able to relate to, I know that guy, I might be that guy. Someone, the lawyer, could have been able to identify with somebody that we might be able to be drawn to as well. And as we hear of this man lying in the ditch on the side of the road, beaten up, stripped of his clothing, his possessions, even stripped of his dignity, this close to death, our our hearts are with this man, and our hope is that rescue will come. Who will help this man? And because we can identify with him, the question becomes, who will help me? Who will help me? We know how the story ends. Who will help me? The good Samaritan will. The one who wasn't supposed to the enemy. The one that's different than the other. The Samaritan who was a neighbor. But the question I want to reflect on a little bit this morning is, is why didn't anyone else help? And a lot has been written about this, about the priest and the Levite, with a a lot of reasons why they didn't help. And I want to offer to you the work of Dr. Amy Jill Levine, especially in her fantastic book, Short Stories by Jesus. Um, She argues that a a lot of those reasons or those uh, guesses, those misreadings, are, are built on stereotypes, both of that day and the contemporary lens of which we read the parable. But the one I want to spend a little bit of time on is this. Perhaps you've heard this. Some argue that the priests and the Levites' failure to help this man dying in the ditch is that they were following Jewish law. It goes like this, the the priest and the Levite pass by the man because they're afraid of contracting corpse contamination and violating purity laws. But here's the thing that doesn't make sense. Yes, there are rules about who can touch a dead body, who can touch, uh, how one can touch a dead body, what to do after touching a dead body, especially for priests who are about to perform the rituals of worship. But two things. First, both the priest and Levite are going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, away from the temple, away from ritual duty and the need to be clean. That's one. And the second is this, and more importantly, the man's not dead. The man's not dead. Here's the thing. Even if he was dead, do you remember when Jesus was approached by a different teacher of the law? This time it's Mark's gospel. And the, the, the teacher of the law comes and says to Jesus, hey, which commandment is the greatest It's the same response that Jesus invites the lawyer from our text to navigate. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments, they they supersede everything. The law requires that both of these men should have checked on and cared for the man in the ditch, whether alive or dead, for you should love your neighbor as yourself. Those who understood the law, those who followed the law, they would have known to attend to the man. They would have been expected to attend to the man lying there in the ditch. At the end of the day, Dr. Amy Jill Levine, she writes that these were ordinary priests and an ordinary Levite who do what is all too ordinary. They fail to act when they should. They fail to act when they should. Think about the golden rule. Right, I'm sure many of you, most of you, can recite from memory. I learned it in elementary school. It's been reinforced ever since. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or love your neighbor as yourself. We still can't do it. It's not because we don't know how. We don't love our neighbors because we choose not to. It was uh, April 3rd, 1968. So the day before he was assassinated, Dr. King, he, he speaks at Bishop Charles Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. The city is going through a, a labor strike, the sanitation workers. And, and Dr. King gives what later becomes known as the I've been to the mountaintop speech. He says, something is happening in Memphis. Something is happening in our world. I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And then he drew on this same parable, the Good Samaritan, to tell the hundreds of people who were gathered there exactly how we would get there. I'm just going to read some of it. Dr. King said, now you know. We use our imagination a great deal to try to determine why the priest and Levite didn't stop. So I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. It's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them there to lure them over for quick and easy seizure. And so the first question the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And he continues, but then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? The priest and the Levite asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And the good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him. Who is my neighbor? Remember, Jesus doesn't actually answer that question. 
The one that the lawyer initially asked, he didn't answer the who part of that question. Instead, he challenged the lawyer with the what. Who is my neighbor? Well, let me show you. See, see, this is what a neighbor does. Now go and do likewise. But, 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 but get this, Jesus also completely shifts the direction of this conversation. Remember the beginning of this conversation. At the start, the, te- the lawyer stands up to test Jesus, asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. And instead of addressing salvation and life eternal, Jesus draws him back to the now. To the man in the ditch who is still alive. To the Samaritan who cares for the man back to health for today and for tomorrow, not for death and life after. So church, go and do. Not because we set our sights on some salvation someday out there, but because our faith informs us and compels us to believe in the hope of new life today. Go and do because our faith reminds us and challenges us that loving is an active work. It's a continual work. Love is an act that we do for today. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? Go and love your neighbor. We're going to continue this series throughout this month. We're going to hear from more voices in our community who are going to challenge us and inspire us of what it means to love. And hopefully we can draw some piece of each of these stories and challenge ourselves as a community, as a church, and as individuals, wherever where we might be. For we trust that God's love is bigger than those boundaries, those exclusions, those borders that we build up for ourselves. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this challenge, and we give you thanks for this reminder to love our neighbors, to remember that in doing so, we continue to build up the beloved community. In doing so, we continue to show love to one another that is countercultural, that reminds us that we do not do this life thing alone, but in community, loving and supporting and building together. And so we pray for the boldness to continue to be your people to live into our purpose of becoming Christ in all the communities, and to remember that it is your love that leads us every step of the way. It is in your holy and powerful name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our latest sermon in our Love Your Neighbor series, the series that we are navigating through here at Bothell United Methodist Church throughout the summer. I hope you caught that little nuance that that the Levite and the priest don't not love their neighbor because they don't know how to. It's because it's a choice that they make. And we, too, face that same choice uh, moment after moment, day after day. Am I going to love my neighbor now Am I going to love my neighbor today? 
Am I going to love my neighbor tomorrow? And so as you go about your weeks, uh, know that I am holding you in prayer, that I am uh, wishing you uh, blessings as you navigate all that is before you. Um, And uh, stay tuned later on this week for the next episode of Bothell Amplified. We'll talk to you then. Bye.